empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along. You came along. Put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied.
Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad that you are here today. Welcome to you all if you're a guest with us. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us. As we begin our time together, I just want to read a little bit of Scripture to us. Psalm chapter 30, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what the Scriptures say. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The scriptures tell us to sing praises to God, thankfully lifting our voices to the Lord, because we know no matter what momentary issue we're dealing with right now, God's going to see us through that, and he is trusted in the midst of it all. So we can sing praises. So whatever it is you came in here with this morning, whatever it is might be heavy in your heart, Whatever it is might be on your personal prayer list, I want to encourage you now. Let's stand together and let's sing and let's worship. Let's worship the Lord with a loud voice and a full heart. Because no matter what the momentary issue is that we're dealing with right now, weeping may last for a night. It may last for a moment. But God's perfect, eternal, unending joy will come in the morning. And we can live in that for all of eternity. So God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that even though we all, every single one of us in this room, knows what it's like to deal with a moment in time that brings sorrow and difficulty and pain and anguish and weeping, 
where we can't see through the other side and the night feels like it's going to last forever. Every one of us knows exactly what that feels like. But I pray, God, that we would also be filled up and encouraged to know that that is just a moment. And what we're dealing with right now will not last forever, but you will last forever. Our life in you, our joy in you, our hope in you, that is for eternity. So I pray, God, today, even in the midst of trial or difficulty or hurt or pain or the weeping, God, that we would sing joyfully because you are in charge of it all. You're here with us in the midst of it all, and we can trust you in it all. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand, guys. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Good morning, church. Let's sing. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. this truth.
What a great song to start worship with, church. Don't you just love the idea that the battle belongs to our Lord, our Savior? And the truth is, I was, I was thinking about this, this verse, Romans 5a, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the truth is, church, that we offer him nothing, you know, that we bring nothing to him. And he doesn't wait for us to be fixed. He doesn't wait for us to be um, holy or righteous because he does all of that through his sacrificial son on the cross. And so there's nothing that we can offer him. And, and so we sing and we celebrate these truths because all God desires of us are repentant hearts that believe by grace, by faith, Christ died on the cross for us, that he, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He literally conquered death, hell, and the grave. And all he, all he desires is that we would simply say, yes, Lord. That he would, we would give him that battle. That we would give him our lives. That we would give him our hearts and our souls. And that we would glorify him every aspect of our lives and so we sing and we we praise him because these things are true god has given us a reason to celebrate his name is jesus christ he first loved us and that's why we celebrate he is worthy let's continue to praise covered in shame when it came 
Amen. Praise God. You guys may be seated today. Yes. Last fall, I had the opportunity to attend a guy's getaway with 13 other men from Southview Baptist at Camp Caswell down at the North Carolina coast. I'd never been on a men's retreat before, so as you can imagine, I was a little apprehensive about going, but deciding to go was one of the best decisions I ever made. So what I liked most about the last men's ministry trip to Fort Caswell was um, it really gave me a chance to understand the, the true value of fellowship, and not just fellowship with the church in general, but specifically men in the church. So coming out of the retreat last year, uh, one of the things that, that really got to me is we talked about Peter, and Peter was kind of rough around the edges, and God really worked through Peter and Peter and used him as a foundation for the church. And understanding that, I'm rough around the edges as well, and God can work in me. And that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. That's what I brought back was to dig deeper into the Word. As we pulled into the front gate, I knew God had something special in store for us. We had great speakers and breakout sessions. We had well-thought-out planned activities. Or you could just rest and do nothing during your free time. It was really cool during that trip. On the first night, we're doing a, uh, a worship service. And um, they started playing the first song. And immediately, as soon as the music started and the singing started, the 65 to 70 guys that were in the small chapel, uh, immediately all of us started singing and worshiping and, and glorifying Christ uh, as loud as we could. And it was so awesome because pretty much immediately the, the sound uh, from the speakers was overwhelmed by just the, the words and the music of, of God's people worshiping. And it was really, really cool to see. And looking forward to this year's retreat coming up, looking forward to going down and spending time and fellowshipping with the men of our church so that we can come back and, and just be refreshed, renewed, and get into the Word of God. So guys, what I would say is, if you have any thought about going, pray about it, and sign up and go. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right. Well, as the guys were saying, we have our uh, men's retreat scheduled for October. Uh, and I could not, again, just to echo the men there speaking, I could not encourage you more highly to go and be a part of this. Uh, sign up ends this month, and so we're pushing hard. We want you guys to go. I'm going to be there. All the staff's going to be there, all hands on deck. I've already talked to 20 of you that said you were going, but you haven't signed up yet. Now's the time, all right? Sign up, $50 deposit. If you have a teenage son, you can bring him with you. We would love to have you come and be a part of it. We're going to have specific breakout sessions just for men and teenage boys. We're going to do some age-specific things. I could not encourage you more highly to come and please be a part of this. It's going to be fantastic. We firmly believe that um, uh, God does something unique in men. Uh, and as uh, it's, it's, it's not, <clears throat> I didn't come up with this expression but to steal it, because all pastors do, we steal other people's stuff. But um, if, you met, if you win the men, you win the war. 
And, and I believe there's something powerful about winning the men, and this is one of the avenues in which we want to do that. So it's a weekend for you just to get away, go hang out with a bunch of other guys here at our church, and uh, be encouraged with the word. And so sign up. Uh, you can text RETREAT to our number, 910-424-1298. Text RETREAT to sign yourself up for that. Uh, and again, this is the last month to sign up, so please, please, please do not forget. All right. Hey, we've got a Bible. Let's find Genesis chapter 1 together, all right? Genesis chapter 1. So today we're beginning a new series we're calling The Story, all right? And if you've been around here for long, you know that we love the Bible, right? We love God's Word. We love the Bible. We believe that is the foundation for everything in our lives, everything in our faith, everything in our church. Uh, we believe that God's word is the words that we would use to describe that are in, inerrant and infallible. In other words, we believe that there, it's, it's, it's perfect in its original, right? There's no mixture of error. It doesn't lead you falsely. Like, we believe it is God's word directly given to us by God for us. And, and that's probably, I don't want to presume on to you, but that's probably the majority position in this room. The majority of people in this room would say that, that it is God's word. We believe it's God's word. It's given to us by God. It, it, it is um, uh, perfect and right and true in every way. Uh, you would believe that. However, what I want us to see as we go through this series is you can believe the right thing about the Bible, but come at the Bible in a wrong way and it still mess you up. Does that make sense? Uh, so... So what we often do is we see the Bible as sort of this hodgepodge collection of moral teachings and ideas and stories. And, and then we kind of go to the Bible uh, sort of like a medicine cabinet, right? You've got an issue with this, you go to the medicine cabinet and you grab this. So if you have issues with fear, you go to the Bible and find a verse on fear. You have an issue with anxiety, go to the Bible and find a verse on anxiety. You need hope or faith or trust or love or whatever it is. You go to the Bible, find a verse on that and kind of pluck it out, which isn't wrong, it's just incomplete. That's not the point. And so what we're going to be doing for the next uh, 12 weeks is I'm going to preach through the entire Bible in 12 weeks. Uh, each sermon is going to be roughly four and a half hours long, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it in 12 weeks. I make that promise to you. But the whole point is we just want to get the high points of the story. Right? We want to lay out for you from Genesis to Revelation the story of God's word and explain exactly what's happening and exactly what's going on. And there are a few big things we want to see. Number one, we want you to walk away from this series understanding the Bible better. Right? We want you to do that. We want you to walk away from this going, I get it now. I see how it connects and who Israel is and where they came from and what that means and how that... We, we want you to understand the Bible better. Second... We want you to see and understand that everything in the Bible and in your life really does point to Jesus. Right? The entire point of the Bible is Jesus. And so God's word and see this big story, we're going to see what God is trying to tell us, how it all points to Jesus, and how that truly, legitimately does change our lives. So here's going to be our big idea for the series. Our big idea for this series is the Bible is not a roadmap for your life. The Bible is a neon sign pointing to Jesus, and as you trust in him, he changes your life. Now I want to read that one more time. 
because I know I just blew up what your grandma told you. And so my apologies to grandma, she's awesome. But the Bible is not intended to be a roadmap for your life. Now, don't get me wrong, there are maps in here, like you got some in the back. And I got maps, there's one about Paul. So there are maps. But the point of the Bible is not intended to just simply be a roadmap directing your life. The point of the Bible is to be a giant flashing neon sign pointing to Jesus. And as you turn to him and trust in him and pursue him and have him be the Lord of your life, he then changes you. Again, what often happens is this, and stop me if this is you. You know you need to be a part of church. You know it has something to do with God and Jesus. You know the Bible's important, so you come and you try to be a part of it, and you try to dive into the Bible, and you get into a group, and you do these things. However, it doesn't seem to work, right? Have you ever had that experience? Maybe you personally, or you've talked to someone, like, I tried that, I read the Bible, I went to church, I did those things, but it didn't work for me. And I think possibly, maybe not your situation, but I think possibly for a lot of us, the reason it didn't work is because we came at the Bible looking for the Bible to do something that it's not intended to do. It's not intended to be the roadmap for your life. It's intended to point you to Jesus. And if it's not pointing you to Jesus, that's why it didn't work. If you're not turning to Jesus, if you're not placing faith in Jesus, if you don't see Jesus as the greatest treasure in your life, then yeah, it, it isn't going to work for you. It isn't going to work. So let's, let's start, all right? Let's begin in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. So, it all starts with this. There is a God, and you are not him. we got to start there. There is indeed a God, and you are not him. As you go to Genesis 1-1, all right? So let's just read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So as the story begins, we're introduced to the main character of the story, God. And, and perhaps it's, it's obvious, but I think we need to point out here, the most important thing about this passage is that it shows God as the only existing thing, person, entity in the universe. Nothing existed. The universe was not created yet. There was just God, and he is alone. He is alone in power and in unrivaled glory. There is nothing to rob him of anything. He is completely and totally preexistent and alone. It's just God. There was a time where this universe did not exist. Nothing existed. It was just God. And then God, out of his power and authority and for his own glory, just said, let there be light. And light happened. And he said, let there be land. And boom, there was land. It was just God. And God created. And everything came simply as a result of that and that alone. Every single thing in the universe came into existence just out of obedience to God's command. It was just God. God and God alone. In authority and power and glory and honor. And through that, he created. 
Why is that important? Why is that a big deal? Because we cannot read Genesis 1 and 2 without realizing that this world and everything in it, including you and I, ultimately belongs to God. In order for you to find your rightful place in God's story, you must begin with Him and not yourself. This is why this is important. This is why point number one, as we're going into the whole Bible, is super duper important. The most important thing for you to understand about your Bible is, the Bible is not about you. The Bible is about God. That would mean the universe is not about you. The universe is about God. And that would mean your life, ultimately, is not about you. It's about God. If we don't start where the Bible starts, that's why it gets all for us. And we're like, well, this thing isn't working. Because that isn't what it was intended to be. This story is not about me and it's not about you. And when we start out like that, that's when things get wonky and weird. So I'm going to get upset when God doesn't do what we want him to do. Because we've made the story about us. We're the central figure. We're most important. But God says, no, that's not how this was intended to go. So here's the question. Who or what is the center focus of your life? Who or what is the main character in your story? The main point of the Bible is God. The main point of the universe is God. And the main point of your life should be God. When we try to read ourselves into this as the most important thing, that's again when things get all funky and wonky and weird. And that's why, again, the Bible isn't working. We go to the Bible and we distort it and twist it to make it about us when it's not about us, right? We read the story of the walls of Jericho falling down when the people of God walked around it seven times. And what's the application point to that? What are the walls in your life that need to come down? Or we see... David killing Goliath. And what do we say? What are the Goliaths in your life that need to die? The point of that story isn't you. You're not David. If, it, if you read the story of David and Goliath, so there are these sort of three main characters, right, going on. You've got Goliath. You've got David, and you have the army of Israel wetting themselves in fear. If you're anyone in the story, you're them. There is an enemy of sin and death that you can't beat. And you are completely hopeless. But a shepherd warrior king savior steps up. And slays the giant you could not slay. And then gives you the victory that you never earned in the first place. That's... The point, if you're, if you're anything in the story, you're that. But we don't do that. We make us the main character, and, and that's why we get all upset when the Goliath that we're shooting for doesn't die. I mean, I got my five, I mean, we even go to retreats where we give each other five smooth stones. I threw my stone. I even did it in faith. That wasn't the point. Again, if we're going to really understand the Bible, we got to start where the Bible starts. And that's just with God, not you. You're not the main point. Not of the Bible. Not of this world. Not even of your own life. 
Is there anyone or anything that you have placed as the main character, the main point, the main purpose of your story besides God? Some place ourselves in that category, right? We're the most important thing. So our entire life is built around us. Our entire life is built around lifting us up and and pursuing our own desires and dreams. For others, we'll put other people at the center focus, right? Maybe your wife or your husband or your parents or God help us, our kids. As the center focus of our life. And when we do that, it just crushes it. I've told you, look, husbands and wives and kids and jobs are wonderful blessings, but horrible gods. And if you make them the center focus of your life, it's going to crush you and them, right? I've told you, right? We got single ladies that come in here, they're like, I just got to get married, I got to get married, I got to get married, I got to get married. I need a husband, I need a husband, I need a husband, I need a husband. And then you get a husband, like six months in, you're like, I need a different husband. (laughs) This one's broken. Right, so then what? Kids, that'll fix it, right? Kids, kids, let's get kids. I want kids, I need kids, I need kids, I need kids. So then you get kids, you're like, God gave me demon children. Like, this is... This isn't fair. I asked for kids and he gave me demons. Like, I don't understand. What's going on here is this. Are those good things? Yes. Are they gifts? Yes. They are amazing, glorious gifts. But, brothers and sisters, when we make those things the center focus, it will destroy it all. It will destroy. You want to destroy your marriage? Make the marriage the most important thing in your life. You, you want to destroy your kids? Make them the center of your universe. I know your old man was a bum and you want to vow to never be that for your kids. And that's great. That's great. But doing it like that is going to crush them. They can't stand up under the weight of that. They can't be your God. What I want you to understand as we jump into this, what's the Bible about and how does it relate to our life, starting with this. It's all, only, totally, completely, entirely about God. And you only fit into this story as he relates to God. Either as his child or his enemy. That's it. That's how we fit in. Which brings us to this next truth. So we have this awesome, amazing, glorious God. And this God does something unbelievable. God then makes us in his image and seeks to pursue a relationship with us. This is amazing. So God starts to create. So as you go through Genesis chapter 1, you see God created. Right, in uh, day one, he created light. Day two, he created heaven. Day three, he created land and vegetation. Day four, the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, fish and birds. Day six, land animals. And then on day six, after he created the cattle and the land animals, he does something amazing. He almost sort of takes a step back and, and has this internal conversation within the Trinity. Right, and so you pick that up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So it says there at the end of that passage that God created humanity, he created them in his image, right? He says that, let's create man in our image, in the image of God. He's speaking, uh, I always, January, I'm always going to get this question, right? I always know when you start reading your Bible because I get questions about Genesis in January. Okay, who is he talking? He's talking to angels? He's talking, no, no, he's talking to the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's talking within the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. Talking about being made in the image of God. All right? And so we as humans are created, it says, in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, there are a lot of thoughts and ideas as to all what that means. We're given the ability to reason, the ability to make moral decisions. We are given personalities. We are given the capacity for relationships. We're given dominion over the rest of creation. There is something unique about man that isn't in the rest of creation. This is really amazing. So when it says that we're created in the image of God, we don't want to... We're not going to spend time diving into all that that might potentially mean. But the big idea I want you to get is this. In some real way, you were created different and distinct from the rest of creation. Like, I know your dog wags its tail when you come in and your cat secretly plots to kill you at night. But there is something different about humanity and creation. We are given some way to represents to show off the glory of God to the rest of this world like the rest of creation did not experience. Something unique happens in us that is not in the rest of creation. And, and, and a part of that, I want you to flip over to chapter 2 of Genesis. But I want you to see kind of the connection between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So as he creates humanity, there is something in us that we possess in relationship to God, the rest of creation does not have. And we see it in chapter 2. So, as you're reading Genesis, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, let me explain kind of their connection, okay? Genesis 1, think of it like this. Genesis 1 is Google Earth. Alright, it gives you the big 30,000 foot view of creation. Genesis 2 is Google Street. Alright, so Genesis 1 is day 1 through 6, all of it kind of hitting the high points. Then in chapter 2 of Genesis, it drops down to just day 6 and shows a little more in detail how God created humanity. Does that make sense? So sometimes you read Genesis 1 and then Genesis 2. And like, well, it says kind of the same thing. What's going on here? That's what's happening. Genesis 1, big story of creation. Genesis 2 drops down. Now here's specifically how God created man. So as we look in Genesis 2, we see... God do something really interesting. I want to get geeky for you just for a second. I try to reserve that for when it matters, and I think it matters here. In Genesis chapter 1, God refers to himself in the Hebrew, Elohim. All right? Elohim. The word Elohim in your Bible probably is just translated as God. Right? No matter what translation you have, it's probably just God. Now, this word Elohim, it's, it's a title, sort of. Right? It's sort of like a... a professor or pastor or president, something like that. It's, it's, a, it's a title. And so in Genesis chapter 1, he's explaining this 
great and glorious, mighty, powerful God. He's doing this, right? God said, let there be light. God said, let there be an expanse. God created the heavens and the earth, right? So Genesis 1 is this massive, huge God that is creating this massive, huge universe. Everything is big and expansive and mighty. And so you need this huge, massive God to do all of that, right? That's Genesis 1. Then in Genesis 2, as it drops down and shows you specifically how man was created, he changes the way he refers to himself. He doesn't call himself Elohim anymore. Now in Genesis chapter 2, he calls himself Yahweh Elohim. And now if you have your Bible, that's probably translated as Lord God. It may even be sort of capitalized, italic sort of thing. right? Yahweh Elohim. This is the word, this is the name God refers to himself when he's doing relationship with his people when he's entering into covenant with his people he's not just elohim mighty powerful god he's personal yahweh elohim i am your lord i am your god i am the one who made you i am the one who pursues you i am the one who loves you and i'm the one that you can chase after now he calls himself in genesis chapter 2 not just elohim but he's Yahweh Elohim. Chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Chapter 2, verse 22. The Lord God took a rib from the man and formed the woman. This is the word he uses when he's engaging personally with his people. In Genesis chapter 12, it says the Lord God called out to Abraham. In Exodus 3, the Lord God called out to Moses. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord God called David to be king. This is the way he refers to himself when he's entering in to a relationship with someone. And this is how he calls himself when he's creating humanity. He's not just this big, powerful, massive God. Some of you view God as just this force out in the universe. He is, yes, transcendent. He is huge. He is mighty. He is other. He is all those things. And Genesis 2 says he is close and intimate. And he is your personal creator God. He made you differently. In fact, we see... How differently he creates. Again, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, look at that. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. God formed Adam out of the ground, and then he did something amazing. He bent down and breathed life into him, which is completely different than the way he's created everything else yes everything else he just says it and boom there it is and says it and boom there it is right it's this it's this this idea as you read genesis one of just again this this mighty god at a distance just proclaiming and boom there it is but genesis 2 is different man genesis 2 is not god standing at a distance just simply speaking you in to being genesis 2 is god Bending down and grabbing some clay and making and then forming and then literally getting on his hands and knees and breathing life into Adam. It is completely and totally different. 
And not only did he breathe life, he breathed a, a special life. As you read verse 7 again, it says, And the man became a living creature. In the Hebrew again, that is, he became a living life. Right? So, so it's, he not only breathed life like everything else is alive. Plants and animals and fish and birds, they're all alive. He gave a different kind of life. He gave a living life. Yet you're living, but in breathing into you, he gave you a different kind of life. And for us, that manifests out as eternal life. Every human who's ever existed will last forever, either in heaven or in hell. We're given a different kind of existence. We're given a different kind of life. A life that can never be extinguished. You will last for all of eternity, either with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. Because he breathed that kind of life into you, you are different. And and then he did something else. Verse 16 of chapter 2. He's engaging differently. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you will surely die. God's doing something different he hasn't done to any other creation. He's talking to it. Not speaking at it, not speaking it into existence, communicating. Right? God is talking to Adam. He's telling him about the garden. He's telling him what he can and cannot eat. And from the very beginning, even before sin entered into the world, Adam knew he needed to depend on what God told him if he was going to survive. There's something different happening here. As we begin to see the story, the big story of the Bible, the big story as a result of that of not just the Bible, but of your life also. This is the story that infects and changes every other story in your life. What you want to see, what you have to see is it starts first with God. No one else and nothing else. Just God. And the reason why our lives get all out of kilter is because we're trying to start with something other than God. We come to God not to, so one of the things that we do, we just finish it up, we're going to crank it up again after summer, but we offer a class here where we basically teach you how to read your Bible. We'll crank that up after the summer, sign up, you'll love it. But what we do when we, when we teach you how to read the Bible is we teach you how to come to the Bible just for the purpose of getting God. Oftentimes we come to God's word because we have a problem, and the problem is first and foremost in our mind. I've got a marriage problem, so let me go find things about marriage. I've got a kid problem, so let me go find things about parenting. I've got an addiction problem, let me find things about breaking bonds. I've got this problem, let me find things about that, which again, isn't wrong, it's just incomplete. The most important thing in your life is your problem, which is why it will never get fixed. The most important thing in your life is your issue, is your strife, is your struggle, is your problem. The only way God's word does what it's intended to do is if we understand the point of God's word is God. And we come to the Bible to get God. And if I get God, I'll be able to trust him with everything else. The marriage doesn't ever get resolved. Hey, I got God. My kid doesn't come home and repent. 
I'm going to be heartbroken and carry that for a long, long time. But I got God. This is the point. It begins with God because God is everything. I love uh, a great John Piper quote. He says, ultimately, God is the gospel. This great debate about what do you get in the gospel? Forgiveness and this and this. He's like, no, no, no. The truth is, the great treasure of the gospel is God. And because you get God, you get forgiveness. Because you get God, you get grace. Because you get God, you get eternal life. But all those things come as a result of you, first and foremost, just getting God. This is the only way the story of the Bible is actually going to make sense to you. This is the only way the story of the Bible is actually going to bear out real lasting fruit in your life. When you see ultimately it's about God. And this God created me unique and special so that I can have a relationship with him. And so he needs to be the most important figure in my story. Um, I want to introduce you to a new term. Uh, it's a Latin term, quorum deo. I'm getting all kinds of geek on you today. Quorum deo. It's a Latin term. It means some, before the face of God or in the face of God. Uh, this phrase, quorum deo, has been used throughout church history to really explain the Christian life. In fact, theologian R.C. Sproul said that the big and main idea of the entire Christian life is quorum deo. What quorum deo means is that you were created to live all of your life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, by the word of God, to the glory of God. Quorum Deo is all of life is just for, through, by God. For the glory of God, and that is all. Quorum Deo. Everything is about Him, through Him, for Him, to the glory of Him. I live my entire life under His authority, ruled by His word, for His glory. All of life is just before Him. This is the point of Genesis 1. This is the point of the story of the entire Bible. It's about God. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you now get to live your entire life in the presence of God. One day, fully, completely, physically in His presence. But right now, today, spiritually, in His presence, forever. How do we do this? Well... I think step one is we have to see that this really is the greatest and most beautiful treasure in the entire world. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but I want to read a scripture to you. Matthew 13, 44. Uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I pull it out often. Matthew 13, 44. Just listen to what it says. Jesus is teaching. And he's giving a parable, right? So a parable in the Bible, it's a, it's a little story with a big truth, right? That's what a parable is, right? It's a little tiny story that teaches this massive big truth. So this is one of the parables of Jesus. 
He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So, the kingdom of heaven, which is God, all right? So when you think kingdom of heaven, the gospel, God, right? So what he's saying is this. God, a relationship with God, uh, faith in Jesus Christ, life changed by Christ. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. And he tells a story. So imagine there's a guy walking through a field. It doesn't belong to him. It's a shortcut to somewhere else, right? So he's taking the shortcut, walking through, and he finds treasure, right? Oftentimes, they didn't really have banks like we have banks. People would bury things in the ground. And so he comes across somebody's treasure, right? He's just, you know... Moving along and sees it, goes, oh my goodness, this is amazing. it's more money than he could possibly make in his entire lifetime. It is life-changing, generation-changing wealth right there, okay? So what does he do? He takes that, buries it really deep in the ground, marks it so he knows where it is, then goes and sells everything that he has to buy that land. And the story doesn't go into it, but you can imagine he goes and he sells all that he has. And people are like, what are you doing? I'm going to go buy that land out there. There's nothing on that land. But you, you actually have a house and, and cattle and things here. You're selling all of that for just land, barren land? Like It makes no sense. Yeah, I just got a hunch. You know, it just feel good. just feel like it's going to work. Right? I watched a YouTube video on flipping real estate. I'm going to give it a shot, right? So he goes and he sells everything he has. He buys that land, right? Then next thing you know, he's just walking out. Doo-dee-doo-dee-doo. Oh, let me just dig here. I'm like, oh, next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Now, first, Jesus is not trying to teach an e- a, a course on real estate ethics, okay? But what he is trying to, to get us to understand is this. When we see that God, God is truly the greatest treasure on earth. When we see that Him and life in Him and life before Him and living my life in submission to Him is the greatest life I could possibly muster up. When we see that everything else in this world horribly pales in comparison to just life with Him, we will gladly throw it all away. If I can just get Him. I'll throw it all away. I'll sell everything. Forget it. It's all done. I I will lay aside. I'll repent and turn from everything else in my life because at least I'm going to get Jesus. That's the point of Genesis 1. The whole point is that there is a God. You and I aren't Him. And he alone is worthy of all glory and praise. He is all-powerful. He is full of authority. He rules this universe. And just out of grace and love, he started creating. And then he stopped and uniquely, specifically, and specially created us. And he created you and I with the unique ability 
to have an actual, real relationship with him. And the only way, the only way you're going to find true hope, true peace, true joy, and true meaning is if you live your life the way you were designed to live it, and that is before his face, for his glory. The reason everything feels to fall apart, the reason everything seems to sputter, the reason it's not working like you wanted it to work, is because that isn't how you were created to live. It's not how you were designed. Right? You're, you're, you're taking a tool and trying to use it to do something it wasn't intended to do. The only way you're going to have that the only way you're going to have that true peace and true life and true joy is to see that God made you for this and you submit your entire life to Him. And that, I'm going to ask our band to come up. And, and that brings us back to our original idea. The Bible is not a roadmap for your life. It's not what it's intended. It's not meant for you to go to it to figure out how to fix this and how to fix that. It can show you those things but that's not the main idea. The Bible is not intended to just be a roadmap for your life. The Bible is a neon sign pointing to Jesus. The greatest treasure in the entire universe. John 1 says that Jesus is the one who made you. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that he went to the cross so that when you trust by faith in him, he can make you again into a new creation so that you can have an actual real relationship with him. And get to live in his presence for his glory as the greatest treasure in the universe for all of eternity. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. And, and we're going we're gonna to end our time here this morning worshiping together giving you a chance to sing to pray to respond if you'd like to come forward and pray you can I'll be up front here on the side my wife will be up front here if you'd like to talk with her we have other leaders up front if you'd like someone to talk with or you can grab whoever you came with whatever you'd like big idea I want us to understand this morning is the story of the Bible is about a holy, perfect and powerful God who graciously created you and me so that we could know Him and have a real relationship with Him. And when our sin made that relationship impossible, Jesus came to this earth to be punished and die in our place so that we can be forgiven and given access back to the presence of God again. This is the only way life makes sense. This is the only way the Bible makes sense. This is the only way your life makes sense. This is the only way walking through trials and hardship and difficulty makes sense is if you see that God is the point 
God is the great treasure, and he sent his son to die so that you can be with him before his face for all of eternity, just living for his glory and his honor under his rule. It's the only way this works. It's the only way the story makes sense. So today, is that the way your story is going? Are you living your life just before the face of God? Created to live in His presence, under His authority, driven by His word, living just for His glory. Today I want to encourage you. Submit yourself to God in that way. Say, God, I desire this to be my life. Let Him begin to write a new story with Him as the main focus. Jesus, do this in us for Your glory. We pray this in Your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Though the world gives way and the mountains fall, we exalt your name, you are Lord. up our time here this morning together. Uh, one, if you're a guest with us today, welcome to you. Uh, again, if you popped in later, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here, and it's so great to have you with us. If you are a guest, we'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to simply grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT. That's how we can uh, begin chatting with you just to see how we can minister to you in the best way possible. So please do that. And for everyone here, we've got our three big announcements for the day, all right? Our three big things we want everyone to know. Number one is this, ladies' breakfast. That's going to be coming up May 7th, 9 o'clock. Ladies, text breakfast to our number to sign up for that. You'll not want to miss that. Second, guys, we already mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. This is the last week to sign up for this, okay? Sign up, guys. Text retreat to our number to sign up for a men's retreat in October. You're not going to want to miss this. And then lastly, Vacation Bible School. That's going to be in June. Registration for your kids is now open. You can just text VBS to sign your kids up for that. It is going to be an amazing week that we're looking forward to. For all of our other announcements, everything that's going on, download the app, South, Southview Baptist Church app, iTunes and Google Play. You're going to be able to give online. Two main ways to give. You can either give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. You can find a journey group online, get all the announcements online, sign up for everything, all of that stuff. So download the app so you can be sure to stay connected. All right? All right, let me pray for you and get you out of here, okay? God, we just love you. We thank you, God, that you first loved us. We thank you, God, that you 
pursued us, you created us, you desire us, you come after us. I pray, God, for every one of us. There's not a single person in this room, me included, who cannot say that I so easily make myself the center point of my story. I make life about me a lot, and that's usually when things start to go sideways. I pray, God, for every one of us, that, God, we would be empowered by you, Holy Spirit, to have you be the center focus of everything, and that we would live our entire lives, that we would live our entire lives just in your face, for your glory, under your authority, by your word, just to praise and honor you. I pray, God, that you would raise us up to be that kind of people. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great week. I was breathing. I was breathing.